The Horse and Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast daily Tokyo special, supported by Togi. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor here at Horse and Hound, and I'm out in Tokyo with my colleague Polly Bryan, our dressage editor. Hi, Polly. Hi, Pippa. So today was a pretty exciting day because we saw the first equestrian medals of the Games awarded. Give us the headlines. What happened? Well, today was such an exciting day. I think my heart rate went up very, very, uh, very high when the uh, last few riders were in the arena. Um, Germany have won the Olympic gold medal, their second consecutive Olympic team gold. The USA have won the silver and Britain have won a brilliant bronze medal. And we should all be so proud of Carl Hester, Lottie Fry and Charlotte Dujardin. It, it initially felt a, a little bit disappointing because they had actually held the silver medal position all the way through today's competition and it was an absolutely sublime performance by Sabine Shukeri for the USA that lifted them above Britain but these British horses are so young this is their first championship for all of them this is an incredible achievement for Britain. Yep, it definitely is. And to come home with any medal from an Olympics is, as you say, always such an achievement. So let's talk a little bit in detail about each of those British performances. The first of the Brits to ride today was Carl Hester. Tell us about his test with En Vogue. Oh, with pleasure. Carl's test today was so much better than than his Grand Prix at the weekend. It was much more assured. Vogue looked absolutely wonderful. Carl could not have been happier when he came out. It was a mistake-free test. They scored 78%. It was it was just lovely to watch. And next up was Lottie Fry with Everdale. Yeah, Lottie had a great ride as well. She scored 76%. She she just had a mistake in the first transition from Passage to Extended Trot, um, which obviously would have dropped her some marks. But she said she really upped her game after that and completed the test cleanly. Yeah, another one that was fabulous to watch. And then in the final tranche of riders, we heard Charlotte Dujardin with Geo, Little Chestnut, Pumpkin, as he's known at home. How did they get on? Do you know, I <laughs> I just don't know how Charlotte can go into the arena as the penultimate rider, riding for that medal and stay as cool as she did. But she is cool as ice. She said she didn't even think about the pressure. Uh, Sabine from the USA had just uh, ridden a blinder and produced an enormous PB. Charlotte had to get, I think she had to get 80.5% to retain the, her, you know, our silver medal position that we were currently sitting in until that point. They didn't quite score that. We did we obviously end up with the bronze, as we've said, but Geo, aka Pumpkin, put in another super performance. We've got to remember this horse has done one special before he came to Tokyo. That is insane. It is incredible that he got just a shade under 80% after only one special before in his life. Imagine what this horse can do in three years' time. Yeah, and Charlotte was pretty emotional after that test. She said that to win bronze with this horse is really like getting gold for her. And I think it was an emotional day for all of the British team and Mm. particularly for first-time Olympian Lottie Fry. Yeah, this this has been a very poignant games for Lottie. Her mother, the Olympic dressage rider Laura Fry, died almost 10 years ago now. She rode on the Olympic team with Carl Hester at Barcelona in 1992. We actually spoke to Lottie a few weeks ago about her feelings on going to an Olympics herself and following in her mother's footsteps. It feels amazing to be following in the footsteps of my mom, who was herself an Olympian, and she was also on the on the team with Carl Hester. So I think this is so cool that now I've been selected on a team with Carl Hester. 
and yeah i just think it's it's really special and i i hope i can make her proud and carl hester was on that team with laura fry in barcelona back in 1992 on a more light-hearted note let's hear from carl about a memory of those games well, one of my favourite Olympic memories would be back in Barcelona, which was the first time uh, I competed at the Games. Uh, I was like a kid in a sweet shop. It was very exciting to be there. I didn't know who anybody was. I didn't know what was expected. We were on a, a fantastic place uh, to stay in Barcelona, on the beach where the Olympic Village was. And I just remember one night, you know, there were no mobile phones and I was going to ring my mum. And, uh, you know, there was somebody in, in one of the phone boxes for hours and I was waiting. And eventually I just pulled open the door and said, could you hurry up, please? And this person turned around and, of course, it was the Wimbledon champion, Steffi Graf, uh, who quietly told me to go, go somewhere else and ring my mother. So that's probably something I remember from my first games. And I think, obviously, who could forget London 2012? I'm just so amazed and happy that I was actually able to take part uh, in probably what I consider the best out of uh, my Olympic experiences so far. Ah, well, some funny Olympic memories there from uh, British champ Carl Hester. But I think we have to talk about some non-Brits as well. Mm -hmm. Polly, you've mentioned the US. Who, Who was up there at the very top of the leaderboard today? It was Germany. They were the hot favourites for the gold medal coming into this Games. They absolutely delivered. They never they, they never lost their, their hold on that gold medal position. But it was actually Jessica von Bredo-Verndel who led them to gold rather than Isabel Werth, who has historically always been their top rider. Jessica scored another 84% today. She scored 84% in the Grand Prix. She scored 84% again today. That is just absolutely astounding um her test was beautiful to watch isabel had a better test today on bella rose she scored 83 dorothy had a better test that's dorothy schneider on the lovely showtime she was also over 80 god they're such a dominant force in this sport yeah and i had a chat with isabel after her test and she was saying that bella rose at 17 doesn't feel 17 at all she feels like she's 12 um, and that's sort of both a strength and a weakness she's got quite a lot of temperament that isabel has to manage and it's taken till this test really to get her as as settled as she wants her and produce the performance she did today that was a real step up on the Grand Prix. Mm, Yes, it was. I mean, my my medal predictions were not quite correct. I have to admit, uh, I did have Germany for gold. So I've, uh, I've got that one. I had Britain in silver, which they they so nearly got, but actually it was the USA who stepped up and filled the space um, vacated really by Denmark, who um, they did have three good rides today. But their leading rider, Catherine Dufour, not quite at her best with Bohemian in the test that counted today, whereas all three US riders really pulled it out of the bag. So, Pippa, what have you been up to today? I haven't actually seen as much of you as I have in uh, the previous days we've been here. No, Polly and I have pretty much been joined at the hip since we left home, although sometimes through a hotel wall during our days of quarantine. <laughs> but no, I, I branched off on my own today. Um, I went down to Sea Forest and walked the cross-country course for the first time. So it is on an island of reclaimed land, sort of out in Tokyo Bay. So I headed down there in one of the chartered taxis that we can use this morning. I have to say that the trickiest part of the whole expedition was actually finding the course, which doesn't sound like it should be difficult, but the venue is shared with the rowing um, and it's sort of a shared venue media centre and the people there, I think, had been focusing more on the rowing and weren't really sure how to direct me to the cross-country course, but I did find it eventually and I had a really good look round. 
And so what is the course like, Pippa? What have we got in store for when the eventing gets underway? Well, it's absolutely beautiful is the first thing. David Evans, who's the British course builder, who's been responsible for it with his team, has played an absolute blinder in terms of the presentation of the course. There's a lot of his signature carvings on show and everything is just immaculate. There's a lot of terrain. It feels a lot like the course at London 2012, actually, in the sense that there isn't ever a big hill, a big pull like you might get at Burley, but there's a lot of twists, there's a lot of turns, there's a lot of ups and downs on mounds. There's going to be places where it feels like horses are on the camber a lot, you know, coming round corners, and I think it'll be tiring for horses from that point of view and difficult to get the time. Another thing that really struck me was that Derek de Grazia, the US course designer who has designed this course, has been incredibly clever in the way he's numbered the fences. Because where you have an alternative, he's set up the elements so that once you've jumped in on the direct route, in many cases, you're committed to jumping the direct route. So... For example, at fence 14, the direct route is just two jumping efforts and they are numbered 14AB, one jump, and 14CD, another jump. If you don't want to jump those two direct efforts, the alternative is three different jumping efforts, but they are labelled 14A, one jump, 14BC, another jump, and 14D, a third jump. The clever part of this is that if you jump in direct over fence 14AB, one fence, and you have a bad jump over that, you nearly fall off, everything goes a bit horribly wrong. You can't divert to the alternative because if you did so, you would be retaking element B and that's not allowed. You are committed to jumping that corner out, which is CD. And I think there are five fences where that sort of numbering comes into play. And if you jump in straight, you're committed to coming out straight. And I think that's very clever. Gosh, that sounds like it's going to be incredibly exciting. From from the sounds of it, the course sounds to me, and I'm 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 not an eventing expert yet, but it sounds like more the sort of thing we would expect to get um, in Europe rather than say badminton or Burley. Is that right? Yeah, I think the feel is quite championship or European. It is a short course. The optimum time I don't know exactly yet, but it will be around the eight minute mark. So it's shorter than a five star or even a four star long. That distance set to take into account the heat and humidity here in Tokyo. And having walked, not run around the course today, I can confirm it's quite quite the effort in the heat. So yes, it's sort of more like a short format feel. And as you say, more of a championship course, a European course rather than a big bold five star which isn't to say there aren't big bold fences out there you know there are plenty of big plain fences that um, horses are going to need a good bit of bravery and scope to take on I'm really looking forward to um, to seeing it ridden me too can't wait yeah it's going to be a very exciting week once we get going with the eventing later in the week but that is still a few days away we have another day of dressage tomorrow and we'll be talking about that in just a moment The Horse and Hand Podcast Daily Tokyo Special is supported by Toggy. Shop the sport, outdoor and British equestrian Team GBR collection at toggy.com. Technical, tested, trusted Toggy. So Polly, one more day of dressage. The last hurrah is the freestyle tomorrow, which is the individual final. What's what's going to happen? Who are you looking forward to seeing? Oh, 
I can't wait. I'm so excited, if you can't tell. Um, I'm really excited to see Charlotte Dujardin ride uh, what, I, what I think is a new freestyle with Pumpkin. I asked her what her music was going to be and she was not letting anything slip. She was uh, being very secretive about it. So I'm excited to see her ride her freestyle. I'm very, very excited to watch Jessica Von Bredo-Vandel for Germany ride hers. I have her pegged as the individual gold medalist. After today, I'm even more confident that she can come through at the top for the third section of Dressage. She rides to um, music from La La Land, the film. And I mean, I do have a soft spot for that music. I love the film as well. And so that probably helps, but it is just delightful. I asked her earlier in the week whether she was going to stick with the same freestyle for the Olympics. And she said that uh, she thinks she'd be a fool not to because it served her so well in the past. So I'm very excited to see that again. So, Polly, we're expecting to maybe see Charlotte have to give up her individual Olympic title that she's held through two Olympic cycles tomorrow. And we did have a quick chat with Charlotte about that. Let's hear from her. Do you know, like, if I lose it, that's sport. And I think that's what keeps it so exciting, you know. And hopefully, you know, if I don't get it this time round, maybe Paris 24, you know, you, you just don't know, do you? Ah, oh, well, we're looking forward to seeing Charlotte tomorrow and Jessica, as Polly just mentioned. Who else, Polly? Well, of course, this is Isabel Veth, who will be absolutely gunning for the Olympic gold. The last time she won the Olympic individual gold medal, actually, and this is, surprised me, actually, was um, back in Atlanta 25 years ago. She's won several Olympic gold since then, but they've all been the team medals. So she will be really hoping to add that accolade to her lovely Bella Rose's um, roster of medals. I'm also really looking forward to seeing Catherine Dufour for Denmark. I mentioned earlier that she did not have her best ride in the special today. And I just really hope that we see her and her lovely horse Bohemian at their best tomorrow. Um, I think I think they're a great pair. They can score well into the 80s. I think they've scored 89% for their freestyle in the past. And I would love to see them really perform as as I know that they can. Mm, funny that you that you mentioned Catherine not quite being at her best yet this week there, Polly. I actually spoke to Peter Storr earlier this evening, who's writing a column for the magazine this week. And we spoke a little about Catherine and, and what hadn't been so ideal in her test. I'm not sure whether that's made the final cut for Peter's column in Horse and Ham, <laughs> because I passed that over to one of our team at home to uh, to follow through with Peter. But uh, whichever way, there's plenty of great insight from Peter in this week's magazine. So, Polly, just to round off today, we seem to fall into the habit of doing a little bit of a life in Tokyo segment at the end of these oh, uh, yeah, daily <laughs> podcasts. Um, and today we're going to talk about your favourite topic, which oh, is spitting. I have realised that I'm actually quite squeamish when it comes to saliva, which is um, really quite unfortunate because we are having to produce quite a lot of it into little plastic tubes while we're here. And it grosses me out every single time. Yeah. So the way the COVID testing is done here at the Olympics, which I'm pleased about, is that you have to spit into a little plastic tube. I'm pleased about it because I really don't like those PCR tests where someone basically tries to remove your brain through your nose. <laughs> um, so I'm quite happy about it. I'm not so squeamish about spit. But you get a little tube and it has a little straw in it and you have to uh, produce enough spit to get it up to a line, which is quite a lot of spit, it has to be said. It's a lot. Particularly bearing in mind you can't eat or drink or brush your teeth for half an hour beforehand. So you might not be feeling as, you know, moist in your mouth as you might be if you just had a nice drink of water. But yeah, we were tested every day for the first three days we were here, as well as at the airport on arrival. And from now onwards, 
We're on a four-daily testing schedule. That schedule varies according to your role at the Games. Mm. If you have more contact with athletes than us, you're tested daily. Um, but yeah, we're on a four-daily schedule. We were tested yesterday, so it'll be a couple of days before we're tested again and Polly has to uh, get over her squeamishness to produce some spit. Oh, I mean, I've got used... I think I've got used to the swab tests that we do in the UK. I've been doing an awful lot of those lateral flow tests um, as, as we had to in the run-up to coming out here anyway. Maybe by the end of the game, I'll have, got, I'll have got used to the spit version but uh... <laughs> <laughs> my problem seems to be that my spit is as the sign says full of bubbles so I just make sure I give them lots so that hopefully the bubbles go down and everything's fine but there we go that's your little life in Tokyo segment for today it's been wonderful following the dressage today and to see Britain bring home that first equestrian medal of the games I know there's been a massive medal rush across other sports for Team GB in the last couple of days yeah. We haven't had time to follow too much of it, but I have been getting... I'm on the Team GB general press list, so I keep seeing medal alerts come in, which has been really exciting. Do you know, it was actually really exciting today because I had all the alerts popping up at the top of my phone um, just as part from my news app. And uh, I think about half an hour before Charlotte's test, something came up about the British gymnastics female team winning, uh, I believe, a bronze medal, which I saw. And then, of course, not very long later, it, it came up about the dressage team and it's it's still amazing to see that sort of thing popping up in the mainstream press it really brings it home what a big deal this is and how incredibly special this this whole experience is and how lucky we are to be here yeah and there was a definitely a different buzz in the um in the press tent today there were a lot more journalists mm. and photographers there there were more mainstream press there people who are accredited to cover a lot of different sports this games and sort of chase the medals as it were rather than just us horsey hacks <laughs> but yeah you know we're privileged to be here and it really feels like that when you're sort of standing in the mix zone talking to somebody with a medal around their neck it sure does. Well, I need to get off now because I now need to write our magazine report about the special. It is half past one in the morning and I'm about to start that report. So um, wish me luck, everyone. Yep, we're going to let Polly crack on with that. We will be back tomorrow night. Thank you for listening to the Horse and Hand podcast daily Tokyo special supported by Toggy. 